Hey there, you're listening to What the Riff? Join us as we remember the great rock and roll hits from a month between 1965 and 1995. We're going to riff on all things about the bands, the members, and the goings-on during that time. We hope to inspire you to find and download the songs you hear today, whether you're fans who forgot about some of these tracks or maybe never even heard them before. Check out our blog at whattheriff.com or follow us on Facebook at What the Riff. Here's a shout-out to our sponsors, Right Column Financial, offering CFO and bookkeeping services for small business, Stanton Electric, a commercial electrical specialist, and Marbury Creative Group, a brand development agency that helps companies tell it better. So let's turn up the volume and enjoy this episode of What the Riff? George Bush and Mikhail Gorbachev meet in Helsinki and urge Iraq to leave Kuwait. East and West Germany sign agreements to allow the two Germanys to emerge. And Atlanta has chosen it to host the 1996 Centennial Olympic Games in September of 1990. This is What the Riff. I'm Wayne. I'm Rob. I'm Brian. And I'm Bruce. And <laughs> Rob is bringing us this album pick. So I had a hard time deciding on what track to start with. And I decided on this one because keyboards. There you go. Synthesizer. Feels this, like sprockets. This is Depeche Mode, and this is from their album Violator. So Depeche Mode is certainly all about the keyboards. There are two tracks that feature guitars that I'm going to play. They're probably the only two tracks that have guitar in them. But does, does this sound like another band? Does it sound like another singer? Sort of sounds like NXS. The Human League. I was thinking the Smiths myself. A little bit of all of those. To me, a lot of their stuff sounds like it could be Duran Duran. Oh, and it's interesting because Simon LeBond ran into our lead singer here, who is uh, Dave Gahan. Apparently, he couldn't think of who he, you know, who he was with. Um, yeah, yeah, don't tell me, don't tell me. Depeche Mode. Yeah, you guys are pretty good. Keep it up. You'll go far. <laughs> That's like, oh, by the way, which one's pink? Yeah. The members of Depeche Mode, the founding members were Vince Clark, Dave Gahan, and Martin Gore, and Andy Fletcher. And actually, they started in 1980. They're known for electronic music, dance music. They, uh, the, the founder, Vince Clark, was only there for their first album, and he was there in 1980 and 1981. He ended up in another band called Eraser. Remember that? Yeah. That was a more pop-oriented yeah, band. Yeah, so he founded that one. And once he left, their music began to take on a little bit of a darker tone. And then Alan Wilder replaced Vince Clark on keyboards, piano, and drums. You've got Dave Gahan for lead vocals. you got Martin Gore, keyboards, guitar when it's necessary. And mostly he did the songwriting. So you've got the keyboard player writing the songs. Mm -hmm. Then you've got the singer. And, you know, he does have a distinctive voice, very baritone voice. Yeah. And then there's uh, a third member that's still touring with him now, 
Andy Fletcher, and he's on keyboard. It's interesting, I, I was trying to figure out their name, you know, people look at it and say, how do you pronounce that? Depesh or Depesh yeah. or Mode? Is it Depesh Mode? Mm -hmm. And it was actually there was a, 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 a magazine called Depeche Mode, and it was about fashion. It means fashion news. Mm -hmm. Vince Clark and Andy Fletcher were in a band before Depeche Mode, and it was called the French Look. And so you had you went from the French Look into Depeche Mode. Kind of kind of was related. At one point, the magazine Depeche Mode said, you know, maybe we should file suit for them using our name. Right. And then they opted to keep it because they thought it was actually bringing them more business. Free advertisement. Kind of like the Chicago Transit Authority should have done back in the day. Yes. 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 So that was World in My Eyes. I, I like that track. It's got a, a neat sound. It, this next one you're going to recognize, I think even Wayne will recognize, who's sitting there in the silence, and I hope you're enjoying the silence over there, Wayne. <laughs> the sound of silence. I mean, to, yeah. even to this day, this is definitely cranked up in my car. This was a ballad. Martin Gore wrote it and put it together, and he would actually go off and write these songs and he would do the demos and the band said he would almost take them to completion when he showed up they you know they were ready to go right uh, so he put this together and in this case their producer his name was flood he he sped it up and he made it into a dance track and it was gold certified in the united states they uh they were trying to figure out you know what to do with it but you you can hear now it's it's dance you know yeah. dance track excuse right? me yeah, i love I that drum cut a rug <laughs> the electronic drum well yeah you you heard they've got two keyboard players and a singer so there you yeah. go if you hear any other instrument you yeah. can guess it's coming from the keyboard <laughs> right synthesizer. well that's what i was thinking in the first one is it was all synthesizer you know and, yeah and i that's that's the image that i get actually the image i get i think i mentioned sprockets at the beginning yeah the character sprockets from saturday night live this this is the kind of music that i see him dancing to a little bit of a german yeah german thing now rob yeah. i i know I, this is not my groove yeah. you know but i i i just don't think they had the 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 wealth of, of having something like The Cure. Cure was a lot deeper, I thought, of their type of music. This is sort of, this was the poppy, I'm, you know, like you said, they were more of a fashion sense than they were of actually writing, you know, songs that had meaning. But, but the music itself is much more melancholy. That's the reason that I felt the Smiths, when you were asking, yes. who does this remind you of? Yeah. It's, it's the voice, but it's also the, the, the melancholy nature of things. Yeah, it's interesting. There's a video on YouTube that Dave Gahan did. And if you look him up, you'll find Dave Gahan's interview. And he was talking about how, you know, he always felt like an imposter performing. He said, it's not my words. It's not my feelings. It's, it's Martin's. He wrote them. I'm just up here seeing them. To your point, the lyrics are they're pretty dark. If you listen to him, but uh, but if you ask uh, Martin Gore, he said that you know he thought that that just made him more authentic. Right. That was 
kind of his right. take on everything. You can't see it in the studio here, but Brian is just rocking out. So we've talked a lot about you hear music and it's like, man, I hear this, I hear this track and my foot just presses down on the gas. And, That's what I'm doing now. Okay, but to me, this like this one might be a little bit of a driving song, but their music to me was more like sitting on the beach, just kind of hanging out at sunset, maybe mm-hmm. drinking a a Coke or a beer, your choice of drink. But, <laughs> you know, and and there were a lot of dance clubs playing their stuff. They played Duran Duran. They played this. You would hear it if you... I'm trying to remember the name of, of the uh, club in Atlanta that everybody would go to. It 688? Was, no, it no was, Confetti's? Well, yeah. There was Confetti's. The Limelight? It had, Limelight. To, be the, it had to be the Claremont Lounge. Come on. <laughs> Uh, that's where the naked women danced. Didn't the Blondie, guys didn't Blondie, Blondie do this a lot? Blondie. Probably you know, so. You know that old that old old house on Peachtree right there where 75 and 85 split? They uh-huh. had a big, huge dance club in there. Okay. I, I'm going to have to find the name of it, and we'll put it on the Facebook All page before my time. Yeah, when did so this was 90. When did you get here? 92. And, of course, I had a, a daughter and an 18-month-old daughter. I doubt I would have been going down to a, to a dance club. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, your club club days were uh, were rapidly reaching a close. Okay, so this one. I remember this one. Reach out, touch face. This is the one with a guitar in it. Yes. <laughs> and this is the one I actually like. <laughs> yeah. This is the lead single. I think that's real drums, too, isn't it? Perhaps. This was their first single to hit the U.S. Top 40 that they did since their big hit in 1984. Because they started in 1980. They had a huge hit in 1984. I don't know if you remember what it was. Right. That's uh, Competitive World. I can't remember the name of it. People are People. People. Oh, People are People. I forgot about that. Yeah. People are People. My friend uh, Dave Owen lived across the street from me, and that was a good good album we would play while we were hanging out at his pool. Before his parents got home, we could we ruled the pool. <laughs> this song was actually covered by Johnny Cash, Marilyn Manson, and the Red Rocker. Sammy Hagar. Sammy Hagar covered this. He said, I was never a huge fan of synth music in the 80s, but that song has a badass groove and a cool lyric. Yeah. I just love the driving bass. I think this is what's just kicking me in the tail. Yeah. Driving. I saw an Apple review, and they kind of talked about it being a swaggering, country-infused track. So it does have a little bit of that. I thought that was interesting. What and, country? Yeah. <laughs> and Well, Johnny Cash did cover it, and I remember, it, and I remember I that. About this track. I remember <laughs> that coverage. And Martin Gore says... It's a song about being a Jesus for somebody else. Someone to give you hope and care. It's about how Elvis Presley was Priscilla's man and her mentor and how often that happens in love relationships. You're, you know, you're my man, you're my mentor. How everybody's heart is like God in some way and that's not a very balanced view of someone, is it? So Yeah, that's that makes sense. I mean, you 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 can't latch on to somebody yeah, like that. Yeah. Do you feel like you've ever been a personal Jesus to anybody in the, in those terms? I hope not. I mean, I, I guess to some extent your kids depend on you, but you don't want somebody to be so dependent on you that they just 
they just can't live without you. If, right. you're, if you're an idol to somebody else, that's that's a problem. And I, I think, well, you could see with Priscilla and Elvis as his example. Yeah. I mean, that was being and with somebody that huge. I'll, I'll tell you, Rob, at the time, I did not like this song because it felt sacrilegious to me. You know, when they say your own personal Jesus, right. that I felt like they were making fun of religion, but... The truth is, it's not. I mean, they're talking about something that's a that's a little bit different, and yeah. the message is better than I originally gave it credit for. Yep. Yeah, I mean, I th- I thought when I first heard it, it was saying "Be Jesus to yourself." Yeah. But he, but he's he's basically saying, I you know I don't want to be your Jesus. You this is not healthy. Right. I've been in a relationship like that. It was in high school. I mean, it was you know I think that's when it tends to happen m- more. Right. When somebody kind of looks to you for everything. I've been the exact opposite. I was a personal demon to somebody. <laughs> <laughs> Your own personal demon. Okay, I see that. That makes sense to me. That explains the horns. Oh. Well, it's interesting. Uh, the lead singer, Dave Gahan, um, he was when he was younger, he was into stealing cars, driving them around. He says, I was pretty wild. I love the excitement of nicking a motor, screeching off and being chased by the police. Nicking a motor. And he, and he said, to be honest, music saved me. Well, he did get into some serious stuff in terms of heroin and, hmm. and yeah. And he lived to tell about it. And he, and, he, and he tried to kill himself at one point. But it says that right now he's a sacramental convert to the Greek Orthodox Church. Oh, okay. In a 2018 interview, he says, when it comes to religion, it's very confusing and always has been for thousands of years, probably will be for thousands of years more. I don't know what it is I believe in, but I know that I feel a sense of some kind of higher power, for lack of better words. So, I mean, he's been trying to figure a lot out. He's trying to find his own personal Jesus. He is trying to find his own personal Jesus, yes. Okay, I've no. I knew these two. So, am I going to know the next next song, Rob? Uh, no, you're not. But, <laughs> okay. but you're going to think you know it. So okay. I want you to listen to this, and I want you to tell me what it makes you think of. This is a deep cut. Just hang in for a second. Ah, Pink Floyd. Pink Floyd. Yep. Clean is the name of this song, and it was inspired one by Pink days. Floyd's song "One of These Days" in 1971. It was. It, they actually say that it, they, they yeah. were inspired yeah, by Yeah, Wilder that. said that. Okay. In a quote, he said, Pink Floyd were doing something very different to anyone el- than anyone else at that time. You can hear electronics in there and the influence of classical music. It's got a very repetitive, synthesized sound, and the bass riffs with the echo have a very hypnotic groove that underpins it. Right. So this one does have that sound. Now, I wonder if it was a... I wonder if that was a guitar or if that was just a synthesizer sound. But is this clean? Is it talking about getting off of drugs? Is that, is that yeah, the I subject? That's how I. I think it. it's interesting the way that he starts off the the vocals. The vocals are very crisp on this song. Yeah, you know, you can. It, it's very distinct, and I'm wondering. It it feels like they did that on purpose. That the idea is you you hear this very clearly because. You're not on anything, right? Yeah. the name The name of this album is Violator, and if you remember, it's a black album and it has this drawing of a rose on it. 
So it's pretty striking. But they they came up with it and they made it a it was kind of a joke. They were laughing about how heavy metal album titles were kind of crazy and they picked Violator uh, as the oddest one. So they said, let's go with that. It was their seventh album. And it was actually released in March of 1990. We're covering September. This is when they started hitting uh, the charts. Apparently, the band had actually gotten a little bored after their six albums, and they decided to reduce their pre-planning a bit. They had they had great producers. Uh, this guy's nickname was Flood. His real name was Mark Ellis, but he was kind of a punk producer. And then they had a. Uh, Francois Kevorkian, I don't know if he was related to Dr. Kevorkian, but he was doing the mixing. And if you think about electronic music like this, you really have to depend on people to help you mix it and right. help you produce it and help you, you know, make the whole album fit yeah. together and sound mm-hmm. good. There's a there's a short film that you can see. It's like 32 minutes long, and you can find it on YouTube, and it's called if you want to use guitars, use guitars. <laughs> Which I think is a great name for a pop synth band. But they they have a um, segment in there. They're talking about when this album came out. This is really when they got huge. They were doing a release party at an L.A. record store. And they were expecting a few thousand people. And 17,000 people showed up at this record store. Wow. And big security issue. They were there for about four minutes, and then they're like, we got to go. And they thought it was going to cause a riot. Well, it made the news. It made the national news. And all of a sudden, everybody's talking about this band, Depeche Mode, with People Are People from 1984, and they've got this new album that's releasing tomorrow. And they were at a record store in L.A., and 17,000 people showed up. So it, it really helped put them on the map. They, I think they liked the publicity of that. Did it ensue in a riot when they left after four minutes? It, it didn't turn into a riot, but... People were afraid it was going to. It's it's interesting in the film. It it, it get, goes into a little detail about that. So if you're interested in Depeche Mode, that that little film, if you want to use guitars, use guitars. It, is interesting. The guys that are in the band right now, they're still original. You got, as I said, Dave Gahan is the lead vocals. Martin Gore's keyboards and guitar and Andy Fletcher's keyboards, and he was one of the founding members. But it's funny because uh, Rolling Stone talked about Depeche Mode's unique division of labor has long been established. Each of the three remaining members have a distinct role, and Andy Fletcher shows up for photo shoots and cashes the checks. Well, there you and, have it. And he it's funny because they kind of refer to him as you know handling the band's business, the legal stuff, and that type of thing. And then they said he was the tiebreaker and the one that brings the band together. So I thought it was kind of interesting. Uh, they, they said he, he, he does contribute to a variety of supporting synthesizer parts because you got to have more synth, right? And he's the only member of Depeche Mode who does not sing. He's been seen in videos, but he's not really singing. And apparently, nowadays, he doesn't even have microphones at his keyboard. He's just playing the keyboards, so. doing mm. his thing. But that is a heavy synth band, Depeche Mode. If you're into alternative and you think back to what what does 1990 sound like, I think it's a good album. So download it. They got some other wonderful tracks on there, Policy of Truth, and uh, they've got uh, 
a lot of a lot of cool songs to listen to on there. So check it out. Great, great. September 1990. There was one rapper that had broken out. His name now was Will Smith. All about how my life got flipped, turned upside you guys remember down, this show? I didn't really watch it. I never watched it, but yeah, I remember. Yeah. But I remember the song. I remember the song for sure. I, I knew who he was from his rap days before he did this um, television show. He made rap accessible. Right. You know? That's a good point. Of course, he turned it into a major movie career. Oh, he's a huge celebrity, right? But but he, you know, because he he, he lightened it up, he got the humor into it. Yeah. You know, that that's, that's a big deal. Yeah. I think you're right. It wasn't angry. Right. It was fun. It was... But he's still talented. I mean, that's the thing. Oh, yeah. Also premiering in September 1990, Law and Order. I never watched a single episode. I have not either. <laughs> nope. That was for some older people. PBS begins the 11-hour miniseries Civil War. Now, I did watch yes, every single one of those. Fantastic. I don't know about every one, but I did enjoy that one. Ken Burns. Yep. Um, Shelby Foote is one of the documentarians on that. Mm. Yeah. Rest in peace. 42nd Emmy Awards. L.A. Law was a big winner in Murphy Brown. I remember that show. Yeah. I actually watched that one. That I was did pretty too. funny. The painter that lived with her. Yep. And the new secretaries all the time. Yes. Yeah. That's right. Then there was a, a premiere for a TV show called Cop Rock. Anybody remember that one? Yes. Cop Rock. What was it about? It was a musical. It was the singing cops, as I recall. And it, it was just bombed. And then later on, Glee pops up, and Glee is this you know huge thing. So it's just timing. It's because nobody really wants to watch cops sing. But high school uh, Glee clubs, yeah, that that's gives a different you, story. That's hope. It says here it was a drama, musical drama. How do you do that with police officers singing? Oh, no, I wouldn't have thought that uh, singing Founding Fathers would do really well, but uh, obviously I'm wrong about that. So this was actually the song and not just the theme for the TV as it's a little bit longer than that, but... Yeah. I didn't, you know, I never knew who he was until the TV show, Brian. Yeah. You said that you knew him yeah, before. Yeah, I'd seen uh, his music, and he had a couple of really funny videos. But you, to your point yeah. earlier, that he brought laughter yeah. into to rap as opposed to just to anger and yeah. to, and with and, Jazzy Jeff, we, yeah. we didn't mention that also. Yeah. Oh, that's so true. His partner. Yeah, mm -hmm. that's true. All right, we're moving off to staff picks, and first one we got is Brian. Now Softening what? It up. Exactly. Now. This is a band called Slaughter, and you think a big-haired band, uh, you know, from the '80s, or you know, uh, basically uh, they wore big hair, but they really they they came at the end of the '80s into the beginning of the '90s. And you, when you think about heavy metal, you think, what a great rock band, Slaughter. We're gonna or, go see them. Or Megadeth, or you know, something like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, get the testosterone boiling. But actually, the name Slaughter. Where do you think it came from? I don't know. But I would agree with you. I thought this was Wayne's pick. <laughs> no. No. When I saw Slaughter, no. Slaughter, not, yeah, like, but no, that's, that's got to be Wayne. Not, not if it's a power ballad. Well, I was like, Slaughter was actually Mark Slaughter. Slaughter, who was the lead singer. Oh, it's the name. It's his surname. Okay. What an unfortunate name. <laughs> yeah. 
But you know, what was a, a heavy metal band back then without a power ballad? Yeah. Right. If you didn't have a power ballad, then you just weren't, you just didn't have it. So this, of course, Flight of the Angels, is probably about a song of who, somebody who died or who is no longer with them anymore. And, and so it's never really clear who this song is, you know, a particular individual. Mm-hmm. So this song took off. Uh, put Slaughter on the map, and it basically, uh, they had two other Hot 100 uh, charters. Oh, oh, they did? Up All Night and Spend My Life. But many people think of uh, Slaughter as a one-hit wonder. No, Up All Night, Play All Day. Now, that, that, yeah, that's I a mean, song that guy hits. That well, it, it, didn't the, it didn't get the airplay, yeah. unfortunately. Well, no. With any heavy metal band that put out a power ballad, it went up the charts, you yeah. know, so... That's the one thing is September 1990. That's the reason why grunge came. You had, yeah. you had all these hair metal bands, yeah. and they were going glam rock slash yeah. power ballads, and then suddenly here comes this grunge and it hits you in the face with some some real rock and roll. You know who this sounds like to me? Zebra. And you know who else it sounds like that they were compared to a lot and, and, and grouped together with? Remember a band called Skid Row? Yeah. Yeah. And they always, people would get them confused because it does sound like, you know, Skid yeah. Row. Great White, Tesla. Right. Yeah, I mean, this. all these... Yeah. Groups that kind of put this stuff out in the late 80s. Hey, tell me this is not a great uh, heavy metal or a big-haired band title name that the album is called Stick It To You. There you <laughs> go. So here's a question. I mean, seriously, did they have hard rock, heavy metal stuff going on here? Oh, yeah, they did. But this is they had to have the power ballad. Yeah. Though, you know, this is what hit, hit the big time. But the other thing, too, is, and to your point, Wayne, this was the last of the big hair bands, if you think about it, because grunge came in and just completely changed the, you know, right. the direction of the hard rock. Yeah. Then. And so you, all these guys, and, you know, they're still around, I think, to, to yeah. play in the local clubs yeah. and things, or a lot more smaller venue. Uh, but yeah, this is, you know, they're all in that group together. I, I was never much of a. a uh, Slaughter fan, but I do know this song, and I do like you're up, you know, up all night, sleep all day kind of. If I heard it on radio, or I was sitting there maybe watching MTV's Heavy Metal uh, Headbangers Ball. Remember oh yeah, that? Headbangers Ball, <laughs> and uh, all the big hair bands back then, of course. And so, I'm just going to echo what Rob said, though. Uh, it does sound very much like Zebra because you've got you've got the almost acoustic type of guitar going there and then this really high tenor yeah. that's yeah that's a that feels like zebra to me as yeah well. but then again though the, you know, we want to group them into the 80s big hair fans but slaughter never released an album in the 80s oh really no there was only from 90 and 91 and 92 they released their albums but this is where this is their biggest one very yeah, cool i really did think it was Wayne's because I didn't know what the song was. I just saw the name and I'm like, yeah, that's Wayne's. <laughs> yeah, listen to that. That's that's definitely late '80s. Oh yeah, it kind of slipped 90s, into yep. the early '90s, yeah, you know. Yep. Well, my staff pick comes up next, and it's going to be grunge before grunge. Grunge oh. before. Yeah. BG. Is it yeah. the BGs it's before the grunge? grunge master. <laughs> Oh, there you go. Guys, this is Neil Young and Crazy Horse. Mansion on the Hill. Off the album Ragged Glory. We haven't had Neil on the show yet, and it's kind of surprising. You know, I, we, I did one. You did one? I did Old Man. Yeah, oh, old okay. Man, that's right. Okay. 
So uh, this is similar to Cinnamon Girl. This is that yeah. if you got that kind of yeah. But like I said, this is he he was the flannel wearing guy yep. before it was popular. <laughs> where was he? Where was he from? Was he a West Coast guy? No, actually, Neil is an American, but he was a Canadian. He's just become an American. Exactly. He just did. He came to L.A. with his band Buffalo Springfield. Uh, if you know the song For What It's Worth, yeah. that was the big song from them. And in L.A., they kind of, you know, everybody stays with the group for a couple of years and they break up. He joined him and another guy from the band joined two other guys and they came up with Crosby, Stills, Nash and Young. So now I didn't never realize that he was that, that was him for some reason. Yeah, so I mean he's the elderly guy of uh, grunge rock yeah. or rock and roll. He's now, always done his own thing, you know, that that's that's just who he is. He's not he's not trying to fit in with grunge. He's ju- he is he's he was there before grunge arrived, exactly. like Wayne was saying. Exactly. Now he only did three albums with Crosby, Stills, and Nash. So you know some of the other ones are just those three. You would have a little softer edge because he was obviously a little more rocker of that. You know. So after that, he's you know since then in between time he's usually on his own doing some solo works like he like he said. Um, Harvest Harvest is a big 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 album uh, and so that or is with Crazy Horse doing kind of rock songs mm-hmm. like this yeah I think we I also featured uh, Har- uh, off of the Harvest Moon I think he did Cinnamon Girl uh, as well there's oh, I mean there's you get a live album of, of Neil Young uh, interesting is uh, when they recorded this album uh, they would just basically get together and they'd play the set of songs for uh twice per day for a couple weeks and they just didn't repeat the same song uh, in the set so that way they just went back and listened and they got the best one they thought was the best day oh and that's how they came up with it they didn't they didn't do it like you normally would do just over and over again rehearsing and and take one take two here we'll take this from over here move it over there he just sort of wanted to have that kind of live feel but everybody playing together it does it does sound live it yeah, does, I, yeah. I agree. It just basically just didn't give you, didn't overthink the album is what they, what they try to do. So when I say Neil Young, what does he look like to you guys, if you remember? 20 miles of bad road. <laughs> I think, I'll, it's weird, I think like, I think Native American long hair, just a, uh, you know, older long hair hippie. You probably, you probably won't see him pinned up on some young lady's uh, wall. You're right. Stringy hair, yeah. skinny, you know, like I said. But the thing is, is in this video, he's with all these good-looking models, and it's like, yeah. okay, this just doesn't fit. Definitely you know? Hollywood here. But speaking of the hippie thing, that's what the mansion on the hill is. It's basically, this is the lyric, there's a mansion on the hill, psychedelic music fills the air, peace and love live there still in the mansion on the hill. So basically it's... It's him kind of reflecting back or seeing a sort of a, an older psychedelic guy, whatever, who's still living that sort of life, and, but just basically off on his own. You know, him kind of looking back, kind of wishing he was still kind right. of that guy. Was behind that mansion on the hill, was, was that where you'd find the love shack? <laughs> <laughs> so it's just basically about a man who lived a happily crazy life and, you know, 
his music so and stuff. Kind of make them wild and autobiographical. Yeah, sort of nostalgic. Do you think Neil Young will remember? <laughs> That's what I was thinking. Every time I hear Neil Young, the first thought that comes to my mind is Southern man don't need him around anymore. <laughs> oh, we'll have to do that song and, and maybe the follow-up uh, repeat of that. Well, but that was Neil Young, Crazy Horse, Mansion on the Hill. Now we move on to our nef- next staff pick, and that's, that's me. going to Bruce. A little deeper cut. A deep cut, really? Oh, I am so yeah, glad right. <laughs> that you p- picked this song uh-huh. because they played this at the beginning of the UGA football games. Oh, before yeah? Before the team comes out with the, yeah, with the uh, power video showing everything. Oh. I don't think we've done ACDC, have we? We have not. Okay, we'll, we'll have to do an album pick of that soon, too. This is great. I love this song. Everybody knows this song. This is the lead single from the 1990 album, The Razor's Edge. It is Thunderstruck by ACDC. I mean, it does get you jazzed up. Oh, yeah, yeah. This is their 12th studio album, If You Live in Australia. It's their 11th studio album, If You Live Anywhere Else, because (laughs) the international releases, they only have 11. Theirs go up to 11 at this time. (laughs) So... But I picked this one because, well, I just like it. I mean, this is a great driving song. This is a good driving song. It's a good hype song, so I can see why UGA would have that It's funny to me to think about, to contrast this Mm -hmm. with Depeche Mode (laughs) coming out at the same time. (laughs) Right, right. The guitar part is kind of interesting. Angus Young is playing a single string. On his guitar, it's uh, it's all just a series of hammer-on and uh, pull-offs. Oh wow! So that's the way that that, that pattern is created uh, on the second string. So that's, wow! I, most guitar players, I suppose, already already know that, but I found it interesting that uh, the way that that's played. Now, which uh, which lead singer was this? I know they had Brian, Brian Johnson. Brian Johnson. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, Bon Scotch had died. Like in, in the 1980, yeah, 1980, yeah. yeah. Yep. I thought they were, had gone through three. Maybe it, nope, just two. Well, well the third one was just their, their last tour when they had uh, Axel Rose. Axel Rose, That's right? Yeah. Okay. So the name Thunderstruck comes from a toy that was made by the Ideal Company called Thunderstreak. <laughs> that Thunderstreak. Thunderstreak. And you remember the little uh, air, wooden airplanes that had the propeller that yes. wind up with a rubber band? Yes. So Thunder Street was like this. Uh, it was a hydrofoil boat that was powered by a, uh, a little rubber band. Oh. And you'd wind this thing up, and it would go across the, the water. That seems like a very good way of losing your toy, in my opinion. But, you know. Thunder Street. Thunder Street. So I found a commercial. We might want to post it from uh, uh, from YouTube where it, uh, uh, of the Thunder Streak. It was like in the 60s that they came out with that. Now, I've seen on Facebook there's a, like a, I guess, a Dixie band or a, a yes. bluegrass yeah. band playing. On, playing on banjos. Yeah. Hey, see Dixie. Yes. Does a lot of this stuff. There's also a version that. Uh, back in 2014, a Croatian group called Two Cellos yep. did this. Have you seen that? Yeah, yes. I saw that one too. I've yeah. seen, we need to post those. Those are funny. Those yeah. Are so, and that's interesting because you see the the comparison between uh, 
heavy metal music like this and the Baroque style of music. And there's there's a, a, a good similarity there's between a link. Baroque music from the you know 17th century, the yep. 18th century, and this. Now, Bruce, I'm going to have to say, I, this is not one of my favorite ACDC songs right. because it never really has a chorus. It just, right. it just, you know, I got thunderstruck, and then it just, it, it doesn't bridge much. Mm-hmm. It, it, it's, it's like okay, you just, that's this constant thing all the way through. Right. That guitar doesn't yeah. stop. Exactly. Right. I mean, it's, it, it, I mean, it's through the whole thing. No, it's repeating after the, after the intro, that that guitar part is repeating. It's the same two measures throughout. Well, the thing is, guys, I saw them in two thousand eight, December two thousand eight, and they kicked. They kicked this song. I mean, oh, yeah. watching Angus, to me, Angus is ACDC, but watching him just going across that stage and just, yeah. the crowd was just, he had him in the palm of his hand. It was awesome. I, I could sing that. Uh, uh, there you go. Well, it's a great audience, you know, oh, it's yeah. a great audience participation song. Oh, absolutely. Rest in peace, uh, Malcolm Young, who we yes, just recently indeed. lost. Yes, from indeed. Uh, yeah, and even the yeah. way it winds down, that's just cool. Yeah. <laughs> Great pick. Mm-hmm. Moving on to staff picks. Who do we have now, Rob? We're, we're rounding it out, buddy. We're um, we're getting back into a little bit of the uh, into the alternative. This is a good song. Do you recognize? Twenty years. Do you know who this Iggy is? Iggy Pop. Who, how could and you not? The name of this song. And who else? You were so Belinda Carlisle. No, nope. nope. is it never wrong? Nope, wrong song. I'll get there in a second. Okay, okay. This is Iggy Pop's ninth album, and brick by brick. But listen to that. So this is this is a guy, and he's singing about a lost love, and so he's kind of telling it from his perspective. And you know, you can hear him talking about it. Yeah. Iggy Pop was looking back on a relationship that he had in the teenage years. Here we go with the name of the song. Andy. I can't let you go. I did not realize this had came along so late. I thought it was earlier in the 80s. I actually did I actually too. had another album out not too long after this. Well, see, I remember and this again. I saw, I saw, I saw Iggy at... Um, Lollapalooza, I believe oh. it was one of those, and you know, talking about long, stringy hair and, yep. and oh, bare-chested, yeah. and but this reminds me of '99 X again. This is where I heard that. Yeah, definitely. So now you're going to hear the the girls' t- mm-hmm. side, okay? When you hear it, it does sound like Belinda Carlisle, but you're going to know who it is when you when you hear her sing here. Is this Kate Wilson? Yeah, yeah. B-52s? B-52s, Kate Pearson. Pearson. Kate Pearson. Okay. Yeah, Kate Pearson. So she is from the B-52s, and she was singing with Cindy Wilson, which is why you thought Wilson, and Fred Schneider, and Ricky Wilson, and Keith Strickland. But listen to that voice. Mm-hmm. Now, you know, now you know it's B-52. Oh, yeah. I thought it was kind of an interesting collaboration. Yeah. To your point, Iggy Pop. I mean, that guy was... But they pulled it off. Well, she did uh, also a collaboration with REM, if you remember. Yes. yes. And uh, so she's, she gets a, she's done a couple of those. happy people. Yeah. Yeah. And the Ramones. Yeah. So she's, she's teamed up with a, a number of people. Yeah. I thought this was interesting. She 
released an album in 2015, and that's five years ago from this podcast. It was called Guitars and Microphones. Check out this album, guys. It, she sounds the same, and she is 72 years old. Really? And she sounds like this. Hmm. This was five years okay, ago. Okay, the, the name of the album is what? The name of the album is Guitars and Microphones. Guitars and Microphones, and it's, it's just it's Kate her? Pearson. Yep, okay. Kate Pearson. But I, I just was amazed at how, because, you know, your voice over time, you think, especially that voice. Yeah. But well, she's kind of way up there. It feels like she's. She's really attacking the Yeah, music. I saw her two summers ago, Rob, and that she can still hit those notes. And so we would still. be seeing them again if you guys would have gone on that damn cruise I wanted to go on. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. Don't worry, Wayne. They'll be coming around again, I'm sure. Yeah. Hopefully right. so. We keep on losing them. I got to see yeah, Iggy, but, yeah. but unfortunately ACDC is sort of yeah. They're trying to the come way. back. Yeah, yeah. Go see them while you can, folks. I love the heck out of this. I, I've... I, I just love this song. Yeah, it, it, it is a fun song. And like I said, to me, it was funny that it was Iggy Pop. I yeah. That was a surprise. I knew Kate Pearson, and yeah. I liked that, but I didn't know it was Iggy Pop. So anyway, hope hope you guys enjoyed that. Absolutely. From September X. of 1990. Yes, it would, would have been on 99X <laughs> for sure. Well, we move on now to our instrumental, our uh Laugh track. Laugh track, and I guess all we have is our instrumental. One of our favorite instrumentalists. <laughs> We've repeated Steve Vai a few times, haven't we? But, you know, when you're trying to pick instrumental or comedy, it's yeah. just good stuff. Yeah, this is Steve Vai. This is where we catch up on what we haven't talked about. and We didn't talk about the top hits of September 1990. Blaze of Glory. Bon, bon Jovi. Yeah, bon Jovi. Oh, that was good. Oh, my goodness. That was everywhere. Release Me, Wilson Phillips, another Wilson. I like Do, their harmonies. Yes. Do Me, Belle Biv DeVoe. Unskinny Bop Bop. Poison. That's a fun one. If Wishes Came True, Sweet Sensation. Music of September 1990, Marvin Gaye gets a star on the Hollywood Walk of Fame. Hmm. And speaking of the Ramones, Dee Dee Ramone was arrested for marijuana possession. Now they just so shocking. Yeah. yeah, really shocked. I'm shocked. A few albums that came out: Judas Priest, Painkiller. Hmm. Probably should have gotten some up there. Soul Asylum and the House They Wrote On. Oh yeah, Soul Asylum yeah. was pretty big. At yeah, this point. Was, well they're just starting to. Queensrÿche, that's Empire. I think Empire. we did yes, that. Yes, album, didn't we? yes. Ministry, Los Lobos, the Rembrandts. Man, I can just go down this list. Reba McIntyre, Dan Fogelberg. Boy, that was... Fogelberg came out with an album in 90? <laughs> yeah. Well, that was posthumous, though, wasn't it? Cause he yeah, died the, cactus, yeah. the Cactus Revisited. You're right. It was uh, Wild Places. Bob Dylan. Man, he was putting out albums all the time. He, that was fresh off his traveling Wilbury days. Yeah. Mm-hmm. The Water Boys. I like a few of those. The Human League. Fish. I like the Human League. Mm-hmm. Indigo Girls. Was Fish? Was that the one that was kind of like um, Jerry Garcia? P- oh, yeah, P-H-I-S-H? Yeah. Yeah, they were starting. Lawn, Lawn Boy was the album. Indigo Girls came out with Nomads, Indians, and Saints. Uh, I actually went to go see them. We may spotlight that album or the, I would. Or the previous album. It's very un like on that album. <laughs> yeah. Is that the one with Galileo? Uh, 
I don't believe. I don't know. It may be. It may be. Megadeth, the replacements. Grateful Dead had had him on without a net in excess, and of course Steve Vai had Passions and Warfare. So the name of this song is called "For the Love of God." Yeah. Oh, we got film of September 1990. Just want to go through uh, just a couple of these uh, postcards from the edge. Um, I didn't see this, but it's sort of, it's sort of a semi-autobiographical from uh, Carrie Fish, Fisher on her mm, yeah. her stuff. It had Meryl Streep and Shirley MacLaine and Dennis Quaid. On, at that time, Pacific Heights. Do you yep. guys remember this one with uh, Michael Keaton? Michael Keaton. That was a dark in. one. It was. Yeah, with Matthew Modine and Melanie Griffith deciding to uh, rent out a, a space to him. Yeah. If, if you're considering getting into the rental business, don't watch that movie. <laughs> and my favorite from September 1990, Goodfellas. Robert De Niro, Joe Pesci, and Ray Liotta. I'm going to get into a lot of trouble for this. I did not like Goodfellas. Really? Did not. Never like saw it. it. All right. Really? Never oh my it. goodness! Are you guys it's, not men? This is that's the thing. People love Goodfellas, and I'm like, yeah, it's yeah. Just, it just uh, didn't do anything for me. I like oh, Godfather, man. Goodfellas, yeah, not so much. Well, that was September 1990. We're what the riff. I'm Wayne. I'm Rob. I'm Brian. And I'm Bruce. We'll see you next time. Thanks for listening to What the Riff? We hope you enjoyed the songs we had on tap today. Please tell your friends about us. Check us out at whattheriff.com and follow us on Facebook. Special thanks to our sponsors, Wright Collin Financial, Stanton Electric, and Marbury Creative Group. That's all for this week. See you next week on What the Riff?